gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice, are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. Superman. Batman and Robin. Wonder Woman. Wonder Twins, Zan and Gina, with their space monkey, Bleak. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 99 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and uh, this episode I'm going to begin my coverage of the all-new Super Friends Hour, which is season two of Super Friends, which is what I'm considering season two. This is the... Uh, the fall 1977 season, to be exact. And this is going to start a run of about, I want to say, 16 Super Friends episodes before I go back into movies. And when I'm done with my coverage of Challenge of the Super Friends, I am going to hit the high watermark of this podcast. And that's going to be my coverage of Superman the movie, starring Christopher Reeve. I don't exactly know what form my coverage of Superman the movie will take. Obviously, podcast form, but... I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to handle that episode or how many episodes it's going to be. I have yet to start planning it, but that is coming uh, from where I'm sitting now probably sometime in the early fall. So that's definitely something to look forward to as we uh, get through the uh, these next few seasons of Super Friends. It's just so hard to believe when I started this podcast almost two years ago now. You know, it seemed like it would take forever to get through things like the George Reeves series and the filmations. Now here I am on the cusp of reaching Christopher Reeve, and it's exciting, and it's uh, kind of refreshing, you know, kind of a way to launch me through uh, the next phase of the podcast, so to speak, knowing that uh, when I get done with these next two seasons of Super Friends, I'm going to get into the movies, which I have a big history with when, as I was a child. The thing is, what's going on now is I'm hitting a little bit of a blind spot as far as my coverage goes. And, you know, blind spot in, in the sense that I really don't remember watching these cartoons as a kid. I may have, but I don't remember specific episodes. There's only one episode I actually do remember. It's, uh, I think it's one of the 1985 episodes, The Death of Superman. That's really the only one I seem to remember, and I'll be getting to that well down the line. But I'm going to talk a little bit about how the format of the show is going to slightly change going forward into the all-new Super Friends Hour as the show uh, underwent some changes. However, before I get to that, I have some feedback to address. Feedback from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing on an episode number 89, in which I talked about the uh, the Brady Kids episode in which Superman guest starred. Superman and Lois Lane, uh, to be specific. So, Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. Well, I'm old enough to have watched the Brady Bunch TV show, and I think I was aware of the Brady Kids cartoon show, although I don't think I ever watched it. At least not deliberately, but in a home with six of us kids, I wasn't always in control of the TV set on Saturday mornings. I'm glad to know you didn't really dislike this one. It does sound more like a fun parody of some of the classic Superman tropes, which seems like it would be amusing to watch. I must tell you that I laughed when you wrapped up your segment about the cast and series history by saying, that's pretty much all the information I have, because I thought, gee, Mike has more, <laughs> because, gee, Mike has more information about this cartoon show than any, one human be- than any one human being really should have. Thanks, Dave. I really like that. I also laughed about the part where Clark was having trouble finding an unoccupied phone booth so he could change it to Superman. It reminded me a bit of the scene in the 1966 Batman movie with Adam West when he laments, Some days you can't just get rid of a bomb. 
Speaking of laughing, you wondered about the laugh tracks in current sitcoms until you mentioned The Big Bang Theory and Fuller House. Both employ a laugh track, as do several others. The laugh tracks nowadays seem to be more subdued than in the 60s and 70s, at least. I'm looking forward to your coverage of Super Friends, and I like the new promo for that. The intro certainly puts to rest some of the mockery of Aquaman, since it clearly lists him as one of the world's four greatest heroes. And since there are only four heroes mentioned, he has, at worst, the fourth greatest. Greater, apparently, than Green Lantern, The Flash, Martian Manhunter, Supergirl, and even Matter Eater Lead. Thanks for another fun episode, like Catherine Renault and Casablanca, though I'm shocked, shocked, that Bob Fisher didn't beg to be your guest on this. Live long and prosper, Dave. So just a few things I want to mention to Dave's letter. First off, Dave, I'd like to uh, thank you for making me lose my composure cracking and laughing on the mic, because that is kind of funny. Probably, uh, that is probably more information than anybody should have. And, you know, normally I would think about re-recording that, but I'm going to leave it just as it is, because it's true. I'm not sure I could get through that with a straight face, but you are right. There's probably a reason why information on the show was a little uh, thin. Maybe I didn't have all the information I needed to have. And yes, as far as the, uh, and I mentioned this on the episode, when I went into the Brady Kids episode, not really being that big a fan of the Brady Bunch and having it mixed with Superman, you know, it felt like one of those gimmicky things that I just went into that thing expecting to hate it. You know, I went in with an open mind, but I just, you know, I didn't really look forward to sitting down and watching it, but I'm glad I did because, and I'm glad I kept an open mind because I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would, which just goes to show you can't necessarily judge anything by what you think it's going to be. You know, I liked that it didn't take itself too seriously, and that when it decided it was going to be a little bit of a parody, it went full parody. I could deal with parody as, no, as long as you're not telling me you're trying to shoot straight. And yes, uh, also the, maybe I'll put the uh, link to that. If I, Dave mentioned he laughed about the part where Clark was having trouble finding an unoccupied phone booth. And yes, the audio does help, but you know, it's really one of those things you have to, uh, you have to really see it to appreciate it because it was pretty funny. Although I imagine where would Superman change now without phone booths? And it and it did have a very uh, some days you can't just get rid of a bomb. This time Superman just couldn't get rid of a business suit. And as far as Aquaman goes, I mentioned in a previous episode I was disappointed that the uh, no the flying fish w- water skis that uh, Aquaman employed was actually from the first season of Super Friends. For some reason I had it in my head that that was from the filmation car- cartoons, but so Super Friends certainly hasn't helped in the. Uh, less than stellar reputation that Aquaman seems to be saddled with. I like Aquaman personally, but you know what? Even the world's greatest heroes, even Superman, cannot compete with the mighty Matter Eater Lad. Matter Eater Lad is just in a class by himself, and that's really all that needs to be said about Matter Eater Lad. He's, it begins and ends with Matter Eater Lad, and that's really all I've got to say about that. As far as being shocked that Bob didn't beg to be a guest on this, I believe Bob begged not to be a guest on that episode. He was a little hard to find when it came time to do Super Pup as well. Even though he had, uh, he did like the Superboy pilot. Which gives me an idea. But that's an idea for another time. So anyway, thank you Dave for writing in. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo. Then I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about the, uh, format of the all new Super Friends Hour and how I'm going to approach coverage of it. Hang around, folks. My name is Bob Fisher, and I'm the host of the Superman Forever radio podcast. On the Superman Forever radio podcast, I talk about Superman from 1938 to present day. 
And in 2018, we celebrate the 80th anniversary of The Man of Steel's first appearance in Action Comics with a full year of new episodes, more episodes, plus new features like The Adventures of Superman When He Was a Boy. Superboy is coming to the Superman Forever radio podcast. Also, the Superman Forever Roundtable Discussion Group, where I gather together some of the best Superman podcasters around, and we talk Superman. So if you want to know why I've been a Superman fan for over 60 years, point your favorite podcatcher to the Superman Forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com. All right, welcome back, folks. Now for the all-new Super Friends Hour. Basically, even though this is an hour program, it's broken up into several segments, whereas Season 1 was one 43-minute long episode, the hours in this season are broken up into segments. There is a 30-minute Super Friends adventure, which is the main feature, and that's what I'm going to give full coverage to. Then there are some 7-minute shorts, a 4-minute morality play, and a 6-minute adventure. And since there are only 15 hours in Season 2, I'm only going to cover one episode this week, and then I'm going to cover two hours a week going forward. So basically, as of this time, this season aired in the fall of 1977, four years after the run of what we call Season 1, just Super Friends. The one with, you know, Marvin and Wendy uh, and Wonder Dog. So, in the fall of 76 and 77... Reruns of Super Friends are being shown in a half-hour format, which proved successful enough to cause the all-new Super Friends hour in the 8 a.m. time slot. And basically what they did was, as far as the half-hour reruns go, it basically just took the season one episode and broke them in half. And they aired over as two episodes instead of the one as they were originally aired. So this season ran from September 10th, 1977 until December 16th of 1977 on ABC. And this was the big revival. This was the big season that helped make the Super Friends a a staple for the next eight or so years. It wasn't so much the 1973 season, but starting here, there are going to be new seasons pretty much every year going forward. You know, the late 70s was a big time for adaptations of DC Comics properties. At this time, Superman the movie was being filmed for release in 1978. The New Adventures of Wonder Woman TV show with Linda Carter was airing on CBS at the time. And the new Adventures of Batman aired from February 1977 to May of 1977. And that was a new filmation cartoon with the voices of Adam West and Burt Ward airing on CBS. The success of those shows was some of them. Of those shows and the movies and TV and Wonder Woman show. More young children and teenagers than before it tuned in. Making the only Super Friends Hour a huge rating success. And this prompted the ABC network to plan new and even more series for the fall of 1978. Now, the hour differed from the previous show in that it had, like I mentioned before, a very different format. First were seven-minute adventures featuring two members of the main Super Friends team. Next were four-minute morality plays starring the Wonder Twins, who replaced uh, the first series, Wendy Harris, Marvin White, and Wonder Dog. These uh, youthful trainees were aliens from Exor. Zan is the male and Jane is the female, and they have a pet monkey, Gleek. And they also wore teen trouble alerts on their wrists. Next was the one half-hour adventure with all the Super Friends. That was really the uh, main event. And through the course of these stories, there were about 30-second, you know, pro-social tips for home viewing audience, such as safety tips, craft buildings, a magic trick, and decoders, you know, which helped give kids opportunity to 
gas and mystery work pertaining to that day's half-hour adventure. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how I'm going to handle the format of this season. And this will change as the formats change throughout the run of the show. I am going to cover the main Super Friends adventure in its entirety. And even though it was the third thing shown in the hour, I'm going to always lead with that. Because that's going to get the full co- the full coverage, the full treatment. As far as the uh, the seven-minute adventures lead- featuring two members of the main Super Friends team, I'm going to give everything else cursory coverage. As just I'm just going to mention that it happened, I'll read the synopsis and give... You know, a few notes on it. Unless it features Superman. So, for instance, there's... I think I'll have next week an episode where there's a seven-minute adventure featuring Superman and Batman together. That's going to get full coverage along with the 30-minute Super Friends episode. But how any segment that doesn't feature Superman is going to get a cursory look. For instance, the Wonder Twin morality plays are not going to get more than a few minutes of a look. So, so that's pretty much how I'm going to handle that. Now on to... Uh, other heroes that appeared, Hanna-Barbera's writers did experiment with team composition as well. The Flash will show up, and as will Green Lantern, the Hal Jordan version, and Hawkman. Katara Hall, they were all members of the Justice League at this point in the comics. There are also the addition of a few multicultural heroes invented by Hanna-Barbera exclusively for the show, such as Black Vulcan, who was based on the character of Black Lightning. Why he couldn't be Black Lightning, I don't know. Maybe there was some kind of rights issue. And I guess if they had Black... They created their own character, which pretty much looks like Black Lightning. They could do whatever they want with it and not be as beholden to DC. Then there is Apache Chief. He is a Native American superhero. I guess just his name, Apache Chief, says everything that needs to be said about him. And Samurai, who is a Japanese-based character. And they were... And these characters were created to add racial and cultural diversity to the show. How well they did that is up to you to decide. And now the difference between the first... Seven-minute adventure and the last seven-minute adventure is that the first adventure, like I mentioned, paired up two super friends. The last feature pairs up a main super friend with one of the guest characters, like Flash, Green Lantern, Black Vulcan, Apache Chief, or Samurai. Again, I'm not. Go- I'm going to cover these in cursory fashion unless Superman is one of the featured characters. One thing I had mentioned a lot during season one is that there weren't a lot of villains on the sh- on the show. A lot of people who, you know, they meant well, but you know, the things they did were the wrong way to go about things. You know, so it's just such as a character wanting to, you know, one character wanted to replenish natural resources, so he brought half an asteroid into orbit. You know, things like that. But there will be some DC villains appearing in this ser- particular series. Aquaman's arch enemy, Black Manta, was watered down and simply called Manta in this series, so. He's going to appear. Hawkman's archenemy, the Gentleman Ghost, also turned up at the end of the season of the Battle of Super Friends. I really know very little about the Gentleman Ghost. And Shark, an enemy of both Green Lantern and Aquaman, also appears in one episode of the season. And Shark seems to have no relation to King Shark. In addition, uh, with the uh, concurrent airing of Filmation of the New Adventures of Batman, this marks the first time any cartoon characters ever appeared on two different networks on two different shows by two different companies, voiced over by two different pairs of actors at the same time. The Super Friends also got a new narrator in the voice of William Woodson, who would narrate most of the Super Friends series all the way to Super Friends, the legendary's superpower show of 1984. So if you've watched any episodes between 1977 and 1984, you will definitely recognize that dramatic-sounding narration. Now, the cast. All of the voice actors from 1973 have returned for this show. Superman was voiced by Danny Dark. Batman was voiced by Olin Sewell. Robin was voiced by Casey Kasem. 
Aquaman was voiced by Nor- Norman Alden, and Wonder Woman was voiced by Shannon Farnon. The Junior Super Friends, the Wonder Twin Jaina, were voiced by Louise Williams. Zan was voiced by Michael Bell. And Gleek was also voiced by Michael Bell. Hawkman was voiced by Jack Angel. Black Vulcan was voiced by Buster Jones. Samurai was voiced by Jack Angel. Apache Chief was voiced by Michael Rye. Rima the Jungle Girl was might have been voiced by Kathy Garver. The Atom was voiced by Wally Burr. Green Lantern was voiced by Michael Rye, and The Flash was voiced by Michael Rye. And that's pretty much what I have for background information on Season 2, the all-new Super Friends Hour. So I am going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo, and then I'm going to come back with my coverage of Invasion of the Earthers and the episodes that surrounded it. So hang around, folks. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen. And I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. All right, welcome back, folks. All the episodes in this segment were originally broadcast on September 10th, 1977. And we're going to lead off with Invasion of the Earthers. And all of our synopses will be brought to you by SupermanHomePage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. An underground race of rockmen need more bedrock to power their machines. The machines have stopped, Craig! We've exhausted the supply of bedrock to power our factories! The survival of our Earth or civilization depends on bedrock! Then with our new laser mining machines, we shall have it. Tons of it. They use laser machines to mine bedrock, causing havoc above ground. Holy tremors, it's an earthquake on the island of Bahia. It's more than an earthquake, Robin. We've got to save those innocent people from whatever unearthly force is rocking the earth boat. Which means split up. And spread out. Right. Batman, Robin, and I will cover the land and the air. And Aquaman and I will cover the sea. Let's go. The Super Friends deal with the above-ground disasters, then Superman and the Wonder Twins separately try tracking the Earthers. Superman fights them off while the Wonder Twins get temporarily captured. They were supposed to wait for me here. We've searched everywhere for them, Superman. <laughs> it's Blake. <laughs> Zan and Jaina must be prisoners of the rock creatures. We've got to find them. But you say they've sealed all their tunnels. Yes, but they must have air. Somewhere there has to be a ventilation shaft that Gleek used to escape. Yes, and an exhaust shaft. We'll split up. As soon as any two of us locate the shafts, we'll determine their angles and use triangulation to pinpoint the exact location of their hidden world. It's our only chance. The Super Friends use triangulation to find the Earthers' underground world and stop their machines at a huge Superman robot built to defeat Superman. Later, Superman supplies them with bedrock mine from an asteroid. Alright, so this was uh, not a bad episode. You know, very basic uh, Super Friends episode. 
like so many of the villains that we saw in season one, they need something, they go to get it with no regard for what happens on Earth. And there's a little bit of a morality play at the end. But, you know, again, this is your basic uh, Super Friends fair. And one of the things that this episode proves me right about with regards to season one is that the episodes didn't need to be 43 minutes long. I mean, these main Super Friends adventures, you know, they're allotted at 30 minutes, but they're really more like a 22-minute episode. You could take out the other three parts, and you could put this by itself as it makes a nice half-hour episode. And it also kind of shows, at least in this one episode, that I was right that Marvin and Wendy and Wonder Dog, especially Marvin and Wonder Dog, really took up most of that extra time. You know, the Wonder Twins do get themselves into trouble, but there's not a lot of time wasted on their antics like there would, like there was in... Uh, Season 1. We start this episode in the Caribbean and some folks are on a sightseeing trip as the volcano explodes. There is some nice animation of the lava spewing rocks in the air, and apparently this volcanic eruption is due to something going on deep beneath the Earth. And we've got ourselves a bunch of rock people. I mean, who else would live deep within the Earth? If you're watching the George Reeves series, it's Mole Men. If you're watching this, it's Rock People. But they need bedrock to power their underground factory, so let me guess. They're going to go to the surface to restore power to their machines and harass the... The overworld people. In this second season, you know, four years have passed since the first. The animation looks a little bit crisper, and the Hall of Justice looks a little smoother. And when we get in there, we see Superman working with the Wonder Twins on their powers, and then there's Gleek the Monkey laughing like a hyena in a light fixture. So basically what this first episode is doing is, it's establishing that Zan, Jaina, and Gleek are new to the Justice League, or the Super Friends, whichever you want to call them. And they're taking a minute out of, you know, their 23 to... Introduce them to the viewer. So that's a very good thing to do in your first episode. You get new characters, introduce them right away. Even though they've already met them in the uh, morality play, which aired just before this. But that's neither here nor there. The Wonder Twins are our replacements for Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Jaina looks kind of like a pointy-eared Wendy. You know, the animation looks similar to what to Wendy's face. And like I mentioned in the other segment, they're aliens from the planet Exor, and uh, they have superpowers. So... It makes a little more sense for them to be with to be with the Super Friends. Now the Wonder Twins were created for the series, so and I assume they must have appeared in the DC universe at some point. But I am not necessarily sure what. There they can the Wonder Twins can activate their powers by uh, giving each other a fist bump. And Jaina can shapeshift into a- any animal she can think of, while Zan can can take on the form of water. And he has the added ability to transform into localized bodies of air. So he can take the form of a tornado or a hurricane. Or he can also become a blizzard or a typhoon. So, you know, he becomes uh, water and he can become he can become lakes and bad weather. And Gleek is a monkey. So after that, the after the, the brief little training session, uh, the Super Friends detect an earthquake and they divide up the work as they often do. Superman's costume looks a little more crisp, especially in this early on uh, animation. There seems to be a little bit less inconsistency in the S-Shield. That'll change as the episode goes forward and things get a little uh, more kinetic. Right now, Superman's just standing around. As near as I can tell, Batman and Robin don't look any different from Season 1. So, I like this animation of the Earth through the machine burrowing through the Earth. You know, early on, at least, stuff was looking a little bit sharper. The Hanna-Barbera must have uh, you know, perfected some of its animation techniques in the four years between this and the, the original series. The Wonder Twins are watching, and I love watching Superman lift this building straight out of the lava and put it somewhere else. That is some classic Superman right there, and we've only once seen Superman carry an entire building in live action, and that was back at the end of last year in Justice League. So just seeing Superman pick up a building and move it kind of made me think of the uh, most recent movie, which was not as well received as it could have been, but that's 
was gone over on a previous podcast. And Superman is showing some impressive power levels as he literally blows out the molten lava with his freeze breath, which seems to have had the added bonus of slowing down the Earthers for a minute. You know, I had to go back and look up the voice cast real quick because Danny Dark's voice sounded somewhat different this season. Although I really can't place the difference, his voice was always deep. But for some reason, in this episode at least, it sounds even deeper. I don't know if he's doing something else with his voice or or if it's a different microphone or what, but he does sound a little bit different in this season. And the Wonder Twins, I suppose, are serving as a proxy for the audience, much the way uh, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog did. And while the Wonder Twins are not my favorite characters on this show, far from it, they're superior characters to Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog because they're not doing stupid stuff. You know, yeah, they're going to get into situations and get in over their heads, but they're going to do it through their effort to help. Which the Trinity Super Friends did in season one, but it seemed like a lot of the trouble they got into was the direct result of Marvin and Wonder Dog's idiocy than anything else. So far, from Zan and Jaina, we're getting a little bit less of that. Whether that holds true going forward, I don't know, but I guess we'll see. So, Zan and Jaina do disobey orders, and, you know, Superman sends them back to the Hall of Justice, and, uh, so they can stay out of trouble, but Zan and Jaina are gonna go do their thing. They're gonna investigate. Zan is going to, uh, turn into a glass of water, and Jaina a caterpillar. Like I said, Zan can turn into water or kind of bad weather, and Jaina can turn into what an animal she could think of. They're young, so they don't necessarily seem to understand the best use of their powers yet. I'm not sure what Jaina was going to, hoping to accomplish by turning into a caterpillar. But it will be interesting to see if they learn as the show goes forward. So we're seeing a lot of Superman in this episode, but so far he's got a plan that will require all four super friends. And scattered throughout the episode, probably at the commercial breaks, are, you know, bumpers. Are, deco- are decoder segments. And this one was a Superman showing the kids uh, in separate segments, of course, a bed and a rock. So figure it out. Bed, rock, bedrock, which is the uh, MacGuffin that the Earthlords are chasing in this particular episode. There's an animation here that I really love of Superman punching the rocks as he's trying to go forward toward the Earth- Earthlords. This reminds me of him punching the meteors in the uh, filmation cartoon, which... Always looked strange. Superman kind of in a genuflect position and then punching the rocks as he went forward. Here he's just kind of standing there punching the rocks. Which, you never go wrong with Superman punching rocks. At least in a kid's cartoon. If you did a whole movie of Superman punching rocks, there might be some people upset with you. So, the Super Friends find that the one twins are gone and Superman deduces that they are prisoners of the rock creatures. I'm not necessarily sure how he comes to this conclusion, but he does. And Gleek does make his way back to the Hall of Justice and he's going to prove that he is just as good at charades as Wonder Dog was. So, the Super Friends are off to uh, South Bahia Island, and Jaina is going to learn that and Jaina is going to learn that morphing into a caterpillar will also turn her into a butterfly. Maybe that was her plan all along, but you would think maybe she would have turned into a bird or something before she had to turn into something that would have to go into a chrysalis to change. So that gets uh, the Wonder Twins out. They're trying to sneak out, and I guess because of uh, Zan's uh, inability to become something uh, other than water at the moment, they have to go out in their humanoid forms. I guess Jaina can't uh, convert herself into a giant bucket or flying bucket or something with wings or something, as there is no such animal. They just kind of need a bucket. So uh, Batman finds uh, the ventilation shaft that they're looking for to approach the, the Earth's lair. Superman prepares to go in, and they're all standing on top of a volcano with a spewing out lava. And, you know, none of them are breaking a sweat. They're all fine just standing there watching the lava two feet from their faces. You know, you would think at least uh, Batman's cow will melt a little bit, or Wonder Woman will get her hair singed a little bit, but nope. Nothing, they're fine. Hanging out on the erupting volcano. So Superman flies down into the volcano and picks up the factory that is uh, 
Basically, the uh, quote-unquote eruption of the volcano is the exhaust being put out by the factory. So I really love how Superman puffs out his chest while lifting the volcano. It really shows uh, that Superman's using his muscles by having him puff out his chest to, uh, to lift this thing up. Then when he's done, the rest of the super friends can come down. So the rock people have created a giant robotic Superman. How original. I'm sure we've seen that before in something else. But Superman wraps it in wire and sends it down to the lava, and Batman and Robin help save the day by reflecting some lasers. And uh, Wonder Woman lassos our rock creature, so, you know, everybody's needed except Sadakaman. He's somewhere else. Zena and Jaina have now become water and an elephant, blowing one away while Superman imprisons uh, all the rock people in a, bunch, in a bunch of stalactites. And now, here's where the Super Friends are going to learn why the Earthers are doing what they're doing. And Superman gives them a lecture, basically saying that this all could have been prevented if the Earthers had just asked. You have beaten us! We are no match for the upper people. Now your mining machines are no longer a threat to our world. But if we do not mine bedrock to power our industry, our world cannot survive. Why didn't you just ask us? I could have gotten you all the bedrock you needed without your hurting our world. Superman's right. Neighbors, whether they're people or countries or worlds, must learn to discuss their problems and work together. Yes, and work together we will. Superman would have gone and gotten it for them. You know, very nice guy. That Superman is willing to be a delivery boy for anyone who asks. So he could have gone right out and got some bedrock for him, and that's exactly what he's going to do. He, In true Super Friends fashion, he uh, saws up a chunk of asteroid, and he gives the Earthers a 1,000-year supply of bedrock so they don't bother the Super Friends ever again. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next 1,000 years when the Earthers run out of bedrock again, but Superman has... Uh, Kick that can down the road to the Legion of Superheroes time. So he is clearly not going to have to worry about it. Which is probably all he cares about. I get more maybe he's hoping that by then they'll have learned to live with humanity in peace or something. I don't know. So that's the end of that episode. Not a bad start to the season. Very basic episode. I'm sure the kids have enjoyed it. Thought it was alright. Not the best. Not the worst. And now let's move on to some of the other segments. The Brain Machine. When Dr. Cranium uses a machine to make himself a super genius, Wonder Woman and the, and the dynamic duo put an end to his plans of forcing his mental will on others. Alright, so interestingly enough, the action in this episode is in Metropolis, as Dr. Cranium is attacking the Metropolis Institute of Technology. And when the government agent calls and reports it to uh, the Super Friends, despite the fact that Superman is standing right there in the hall, Batman decides it's a job for he and Wonder Woman. Okay, why not put the, uh, why not Gotham Institute of Technology then? Then there's no reason for Superman to be involved at all. I have a hard time believing Superman would just see a crisis in, like this in his city to Batman and Wonder Woman. So, Dr. Cranium has stolen something that will help broadcast his thoughts, and this is a nice team-up episode. But like I mentioned, it doesn't really make sense to have Wonder Woman and Batman and Robin in this episode. And Superman really could have solved this problem in half a minute. And the heroes win. We're going to learn the moral of this episode is basically not to force your will on others and kind of let others do what they're going to do. You know, let them... Make their decisions on their own. Don't make decisions for them. The next episode is Joyride. This is the Zan and Jaina Wonder Twins episode. Two boys steal a plane and take a joyride, but they get into trouble when their engine goes out. The twins save them, yet the boys learn their lesson about the dangers of joyriding. I wonder whose decision it was to make the joyriding a quote-unquote plane. You could have done this episode just as easily as, as a car. But this episode starts with a note about safety. Aquaman telling the kids to swim with a buddy, which is kind of a... Well, I live in the Northeast, so that's kind of a pointless PSA in September. 
as opposed to the beaches have closed after Labor Day. But if you're in a, one of the warmer parts of the country, there's still plenty of swimming to be done. So they'll definitely benefit from uh, from water tips from Aquaman. So these two kids steal a plane on a prank, and they joy right around, scaring the beachgoers until Zan and Jane are alerted. And, of course, the engine is going to go out. You know, these kids, you know, just oblivious to the danger around them. When you're a kid, you know, you tend to feel like you're invulnerable and you feel like you can do anything, including flying an airplane recklessly without the uh, danger of crashing, which they're going to learn is completely wrong because the engine dies and Jaina has to turn into a pterodactyl and that lands on a fake lake created by Zan and the kids kind of pay their price. Corky can't get a pilot's license for two years and, you know, they remind viewers that stealing is wrong. So... A morality play against reckless uh, operation of a vehicle and no stealing. So not really covering any information. Stealing is bad, so is uh, flying a plane recklessly. Don't do either of them, kids. And that takes care of that. And our final segment is the Whirlpool. And this features Aquaman and Black Vulcan. Aquaman and Black Vulcan must go to a stormy portion of the Atlantic and save a captain bent on breaking the speed record. The captain's carelessness endangers himself, his crew, and his super tanker. After getting trapped in oil, the heroes get the tanker out of a dangerous whirlpool. Again, another quote-unquote joyride. Aquaman and Black Vulcan, who, like I mentioned before, was loosely based on Black Lightning, who now have his own TV show on CW, which is very good so far. I'm about halfway through season one, and I'm really enjoying that. My question would be, why not just have Black Lightning, but I don't know if DC wouldn't license him out, or if Hanna-Barbera wanted a character that was theirs. I'm not necessarily sure what happened to the ownership of these characters once the show ends, do they, if they stay with Hanna-Barbera, or if they get absorbed into the main uh, DC Comics universe, I don't know. Or at least, not, if, even if they're not absorbed into the universe, they are, it, do they become DC property? That I don't know. So, Black Vulcan is kind of annoying with his scream, and the, but the effect where he changes into a lightning bolt when he flies is pretty cool. Aquaman has his water ski again. He can swim really fast. I don't understand why he needs a water ski. And this dumb captain is so into being the master of his own vessel that he that he doesn't really want the help of Aquaman and Black Lightning, who doesn't necessarily want the help of uh, Aquaman and Black Vulcan, so who end up saving the ship, and the captain apologizes, and they'll have a big laugh. You know, I guess they can laugh from now that the ship is saved, but no laughing matter what this captain is doing. You know, he wants to break a speed record at any cost necessary. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, you got to take care of that ship if you're the captain. So, another lesson about recklessly operating some kind of uh, means of conveyance, this time a boat, Last segment, it was a plane, so that's pretty much all I have for that one. And the this was the last episode of the hour, and it ends with Batman and Robin teaching kids to uh, eat their vegetables in a health section. So, next time, I will be back with two more Super Friends hours. The first will be the Mysterious Time Creatures and the episodes uh, surrounding that, and City in a Bottle, and its accompanying episodes. If you would like to send me feedback like Dave McElveny did, Manascreen at gmail.com with the email address. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Manascreen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. Also find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. I'm also one of the co-hosts on Fear of the Walking Dead cast, also on Two True Freaks Network. And uh, if you uh, really want to help, why don't you leave a review on Apple Podcasts? That'll help others find the show. So until next time, folks, have a good one. Take care. Bye. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo 
and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you do, the Two True Freaks get a little cut of what you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you can shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.